Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. Become a Coast Insider, and you can hear this complete conversation as well as recent shows featuring guests discussing new cases of the troubling cattle mutilation phenomenon, worrisome instances of clandestine CIA torture, and the evidence that the lost city of Atlantis may have really once existed. Check out these programs and many other fascinating episodes waiting for you in the Coast to Coast Archive by heading over to coasttocoastam.com and signing up for Coast Insider. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. Bob Zubin with us, and we are talking about going to Mars. We'll get to your calls as well. Robert, realistically, realistically, when do you think we can get a human being on the face of Mars? Uh, I think that, uh, uh, well, if if the U.S. government was committed to doing it, I think we could do it with, within eight years. If uh, if it's less to SpaceX, which admittedly has much smaller resources than Uncle Sam, uh, we could still do it by 2030. And I think they will do it by 2030. It's not too far away. Not too far away. Now, tell us about the program that you had set up. You were doing some habitat testing and stuff like that. Well, yeah, the the Mars Society, uh, which is a nonprofit that I lead in, which, by the way, is having its next international conference in Pasadena at the Pasadena Convention Center, August 23rd through 26th. If people want to find out about it, go to marssociety.org. The agenda is there, and you can register. You can come um, and hear the speakers and question the speakers. Great. Uh, but anyway, what we've done is we have built practice Mars habitats. We call them Mars Analog Research Stations. Uh, we have one in the high Arctic of Canada, and we have one in the American desert in uh, southern Utah. And uh, what we do is we send crews of six people there at a time, and they um, conduct a sustained program of field exploration acting as if they're on Mars. So, for instance, no one can go outside without wearing spacesuits, and they have to do their exploration that way. And, uh, and then they do their lab work in the habitat, and they interact with our mission support team uh, via satellite, and uh, just like a crew would on Mars. And uh, actually, we have really shown the benefit of human exploration, because in one of our very first motorized uh, um, excursions, EVAs as we call them, um, we and I was actually on that excursion. We, we um, traveled north of the Hab about, uh, in, this is in Utah, about five kilometers. We found this tiny box canyon and we climbed down into it and no wheeled rover would have been able to do that. No way, no way. And exploring this canyon, we found this unusual rock. And uh, I showed it to the geologist, Jen Heldman, who was there that day and on that uh, EVA. And she said, this, is, this looks like bone to me. And we took it back to the HAB, and she thin-sectioned it. She said, this is dinosaur bone. And we reported it to the Bureau of Land Management along with its GPS coordinates. And about uh, six years later, a uh, paleontologist from the Burpee Museum in uh, Illinois um, called up the Bureau of Land Management and said, anybody there find some dinosaur bones? And they said, yeah, the Mars people did around 2002 at these coordinates. Well, they went there and they dug the place out, and it has turned into the largest find of dinosaur bones in North America in 50 years. It's larger than Dinosaur National Monument. And, uh, and m- m- only human explorers could do this. No, you could have parachuted a hundred robotic rovers into that desert. You never would have found this, let alone been able to dig it out the way the paleontologists have. 
So this really shows the value of human explorers on Mars. And uh, But we also do things, uh, you know, more broadly. We test out all kinds of field tactics, technologies, to uh, find out what's likely to be useful on Mars, what isn't, uh, that kind of thing. So it, it, it obviously isn't a real Mars mission. But then again, you know, a military field exercise isn't a real war. No one's trying to kill you. But no competent military would ever think of not having them because they can learn a lot about tactics by doing it. And Or in theater, the dress rehearsal. That's what this is. It's a dress rehearsal. It's a field exercise for trying to learn how we will explore on Mars. What about the radiation risks, Robert, and the muscle mass problems because of being in space so long? Well, those are two separate problems. Uh, the uh, deterioration of muscle and bone is caused by zero gravity because, you know, even a person who's not in any way athletic, just walking around on Earth is, you know, constantly lifting uh, whatever they weigh, 150 pounds, and moving it all over the place. In space, you're in zero G. You don't have that that workout. And so the unless you work out heavily, uh, you know, on exercise machines and stuff, your muscles and bones will deteriorate. Now, I, I prefer to get around that by rotating the spacecraft and creating artificial gravity, and that would cure it too without having to spend two hours a day on an exercise machine. Um, now, the radiation's different. Uh, the radiation is, well, you're going to get this radiation dose on the way to Mars, but it's not that big. Um, it's about... Um, uh, the amount of radiation, it's, it's about 50 rem going to Mars and back, which is uh, for a 35-year-old uh, man would be about a 1% risk of getting cancer at some point later in your life. Gosh, it's, that's a higher risk just living on Earth. Well, yes. I mean, an average smoker takes a 20% risk. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are many cities in the United States where just breathing the polluted air is a much bigger risk than that. For example, Houston, and where the astronauts live. So, hmm. so, in fact, it, it, it's it's really kind of crazy to say that the radiation risk of going to Mars uh, is a showstopper when, in fact, living in Houston is a larger cancer risk. So, so that we can we can get to Mars, we don't have to worry about it. Round trip, and how long would they stay? Uh, not talking about those that would stay on the planet for the rest of their lives, but I mean, how long would, does it take? at the closest point where Mars might be to get there? Well, um, well, this year, for example, uh, well, we have a probe going to Mars this year, and it is taking six months to get there. Six and months. we can um, get there six months pretty much all the time by adding a little extra fuel uh, to the push. Um, so the, the mission plan for exploration missions would be six-month trip to Mars, stay on Mars a year and a half, and then a six-month flight home. How fast does a rocket ship, once it's in space, going to Mars, travel? At what speed? Oh, about uh, 30 kilometers a second. 30 kilometers a second. Now, if they... And that's without fuel. So, so that's like 20 miles a second. It's, it's, like, it's like a push. So if we had more fuel, as you suggested and really lit that rocket in space, could we triple the speed, for example? Uh, triple, no, but we could go somewhat faster. In principle, you could get to Mars in three months instead of six. But the thing is this, it takes a lot more fuel. And if you do the math, you say, if, 
if I was going to take triple the fuel and get there in half the time, or would I be better off tripling the payload right, and, and right. getting there in the same amount of time and having you know a triply redundant life support system so that if it fails, I'd still have one that works. And if right. that one fails, it's the, you're, you're a lot safer taking this more moderate pace. And furthermore, the six-month orbit to Mars has another a safety feature, which is that if you decide that you're not going to go through with it, that is the orbit that will whip past Mars and come back to Earth exactly two years after you left. If you try, and so Earth will God, be there. Can you imagine on. being in a ship for two years? Well, yeah, that'd be kind of tough. But wow. if, if you're, so that's why, I mean, I don't think the mission should be built around such abort options. But nevertheless, there it is. It's called the free return. If you try to go to Mars faster than that, that, and you want to abort the mission, you'll fly out further into the asteroid belt, and it will take you longer than two years to come back. And even if you only take 2.1 years to come back, the Earth won't be at the point where you left. In other words, it will only be at the point where you left one year after you left, two years after you left, or three, you know, like that, uh, because it, it, you know, because it goes around in a circle. And so if you try to go to Mars faster than that, then the soonest you'd be able to get back to Earth on a free return is three years. Why go to Mars, Robert? Why go to Mars with a human? Well, uh, it's the closest planet that has on it all the resources needed to support life and therefore civilization. And so it's the planet we can go and explore to find out if life has evolved on other worlds. So that's the scientific reason. But also, it's the pl closest planet that we can really settle and establish new branches of human civilization. Is it the planet we would go to in the event of a catastrophe on this planet? Well, yeah, but I don't think of it that way. Uh, I think of it that, first of all, if we go to Mars, if we become a spacefaring species, we'll have the power to, for instance, prevent asteroids from crashing into the Earth. And uh, so rather than saying, here's a place we can run away to if the asteroid's about to hit the Earth, by being a spacefaring species, we'll have the power to stop asteroids from hitting the Earth. And also, I think, by being a spacefaring species, we'll have the knowledge that there's room for everyone, that we don't need to fight over living space on Earth, that there's always more out there. And so we don't need to have wars to... to try to fight over a shrinking pie, we can make the pie bigger, as big as it needs to be. I always thought of a movie, Robert, where we launch astronauts to go to Mars, and while they're on their way to Mars, they're kind of like looking back at planet Earth as it gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and a huge asteroid hits the planet and turns it into a planet killer. There's nothing for them if they came back. And so their whole life was on Mars, and they had to figure out how to survive it. Pretty interesting movie, wouldn't it be? Well, yeah, it's an interesting movie. But in real life, what, what I want to do is have us becoming a spacefaring species so we can stop asteroids. Yeah, I agree. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern. And go to coasttocoastam.com for more.